heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Lockdown Packers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. It is August 29th. We are just a few short days away from actual real-life NFL regular season football, and we're going to continue to have content for you Monday through Thursday throughout the course of the season. We aren't to the season yet, but we're going to give you that content a little early. You can subscribe to the podcast. Please do that. Please rate the podcast. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Try Locked On NFL. Try Locked On Bucks if you're a basketball fan. There's plenty of content out there for you. Let's start today at really the only place that makes sense to start, and that is with the injuries at outside linebacker. It was revealed yesterday that Clay Matthews, who did exit the Broncos game early, Exited the game early for a reason, and that was because he's hurt. We don't know right now what that injury is. And that's a problem because it it means we don't have any idea how long it's going to take for him to be back. We don't know what the timeline is, even just for him to be practicing. So to, to give any sort of indication about where he'll be for week one, we don't know. Now... If there is one silver lining to that, it is the Packers know how to play without Clay Matthews. They did it last year. They've done it in the past. He only played 12 games last year. He only played 46% of defensive snaps last year. That was fewer than Dayton Jones and Julius Peppers. Now, both those guys are gone, so that's a problem. And Nick Perry is also hurt, which is also a problem. He played the second most linebacker snaps last year. At 58.7%, the most among outside linebackers for the Packers. The pass rush is slim at this point. Right now, if we had to play a game today, the Packers would have a problem because Vince Beagle is still on the PUP, and they haven't, as of this recording on Tuesday morning, signed Ahmad Brooks, who will be in Green Bay today. By the time you listen to this, he may have already signed a contract. I expect Green Bay to make a move at outside linebacker at some point because they can't go into the season with just Kyler Fackrell and maybe a gimpy Nick Perry. Now, Mike McCarthy said he is the captain of hope. The captain of hope. I don't I don't know what that means. I don't know if if I want to know what that means. It's it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing for Mike McCarthy to say because Mike McCarthy is a lot of things. A sunny optimist does not seem to be one of them. But in some ways, he has to be. Because if he's not, and Nick Perry and Clay Matthews and J. Ron Elliott all can't play week one, it's going to be Kyler Fackrell and Reggie Gilbert starting outside, and that's a problem. Seattle's offensive line is bad, like really bad, but it's not that bad. 
And that would it would require a Herculean effort from Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry to create any kind of pass rush. And you still have to corral a mobile quarterback like Russell Wilson. So this is something that needs to be addressed. And it does speak to, I think, a failure from Ted Thompson in constructing this roster. Now, he could not have known that Vince Beagle's injury would keep him out this long, although it, it was something that they had information about when he was drafted. They needed to have more than Nick Perry and Clay Matthews and a rookie to go into the season. And and they can say that they like Jaron Elliott and he's a good special teams player, and that's true. And they can say that they were, they were appreciative of the fact that Kyler Fackrell could get better and hopes that he would. And, and that can be true. And he has looked better, but one is more than zero. And that's sort of where we are with Fackrell. So this is a problem. I expect the Ahmad Brooks deal to get done. I don't expect it to change substantially the defense. The best case scenario right now is for the Packers to hope that Nick Perry is going to be okay. And for Clay Matthews to be okay. But Nick Perry first and foremost, because Nick Perry is so vital, not just to the pass rush, but to the run defense. The Packers' run defense without Nick Perry would take an enormous step back. Clay Matthews is a versatile wild card player that they can line up anywhere and he can create problems. But if we're being honest, he's not the pass rusher that we're used to seeing. He hasn't been that guy in at least two seasons. And and Ben Fennell, who I'm sure a lot of you listening are familiar with from Twitter, has advocated for a long time now that Clay Matthews should be an inside linebacker and not an outside linebacker because he's just not an edge rusher in the way that he used to be. Whether it's a, a, a loss of athleticism, whether it is a loss of burst or whatever it is. He just doesn't look like the same terror coming off the edge that he was earlier in his career. And so that's why I think we've seen Dom Capers have to be a little bit more creative. There are multiple times against Denver where Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels lined up outside. Nick Perry and, and Clay Matthews were standing up inside and they ran, they ran twists. That is a creative way to get matchups and to get your guys who move well in space moving. Can they still do that if J. Ron Elliott and Kyler Fackrell are playing? Or worse, Reggie Gilbert and Kyler Fackrell. I think that that presents some issues. And that's something that they're going to have to deal with. If you want the most up-to-date information, analysis, breakdown of these injuries and what it will mean for the Packers... I encourage you to go to the Acme Packing Company website, SB Nation's Packers blog. There is always, always, always a ton of information there. They are on top of the breaking news. Get that information into your brain because it is good information. And I'll be on there. My writing will be on there. I will be giving my thoughts about how this all is going to break down. So please go to SB Nation. Continue to check out my writing at FanRag Sports. Please do that. This is my self-promotion. If you are interested in promoting and you're interested in advertising to men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Lockdown Packers is listened to by 98% men, and 80% of them are between the ages of 18 and 44. We would love to reach more women. Please tell your football-loving female friends, and even even your not-football-loving female friends, tell all your female friends to be listening to this podcast, because it's fun. And they should be Packer fans, let's be honest. But if you want to reach men 18 to 44, this is your spot. And our rates are reasonable. So please email me at Peter underscore Bukowski to find out more. You could be sponsoring this podcast. You should be sponsoring this podcast. Now, outside linebacker, unfortunately, 
is not the only place where there are injuries. Brian Balaga has an ankle injury. He will not play Thursday against the Rams. He probably wasn't going to play Thursday against the Rams anyway. So he will have basically two weeks to prepare, a little over, to prepare for week one against Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, and Frank Clark. Green Bay needs him healthy. Unequivocally needs Brian Balaga healthy. Based on what we saw from Kyle Murphy and Jason Spriggs, they cannot handle the Seattle front. Now, one of the reasons why you bring in Martellus Bennett is because he is an excellent blocker. And the Packers have made it clear that they would like to use more two tight end sets. So this is the perfect way to mitigate potential problems at offensive tackle. You line Martellus Bennett up next to Kyle Murphy or Jason Spriggs, but probably Murphy at this point, and you let him double or at least chip the opposing defensive lineman, whoever it is, because Seattle can line up anyone they want. Now, they love to line Michael Bennett up against the opponent's weakest offensive lineman, wherever that is, guard, tackle, center. And he he's usually able to beat that person. And that person has played for Green Bay in the past. We have seen that happen, okay? It would not only be fun, because it's the Bennett brothers going at each other, but Green Bay is better equipped, as I said, now than maybe at any other time, because not only do they have Bennett, but they have Kendricks as well. And Kendricks is his own matchup problem for any team, including a team like Seattle. He can run. He can be an asset in the passing game, and he can also be a blocker in the run game. He's not a great blocker, but he can be a body in the run game. And so that allows Green Bay to play with two tight end personnel and still be able to run spread, still be able to run hurry up, and still be multiple, to still be versatile in the way that they attack a defense like Seattle. Because you do have to be multiple and versatile to attack a defense like Seattle. They're just too good. You can't line up with three wide receivers, two outside receivers, and one in the slot, a single tight end, lined up on the line of scrimmage, and a back in the backfield every play. You just can't do it and expect to beat them. It's not going to work. They execute too well. They are too talented. Green Bay does not have the, the unique talent that they have. So they have to find ways, the Packers do, to create their own mismatches, to create their own circumstances. Now, Green Bay has had success against Seattle lately. We don't yet know who is going to be the guy opposite Richard Sherman because of injuries. And it might very well be a rookie. So expect to have Earl Thomas shaded to that side and let Sherman handle one-on-one it's going to be interesting to see and we're going to we're going to discuss this as we get closer to the date how the Packers plan to attack this defense a couple years ago in Seattle Mike McCarthy got a lot of criticism because he lined up Jordy Nelson opposite Richard Sherman on almost every snap and basically sacrificed Devontae Adams now we are at a point now with this team where Devontae Adams can beat Richard Sherman one-on-one particularly as an in-breaking route runner Devontae Adams is one of the best the Packers have had in a long time at those exact kind of routes. And that is where Richard Sherman is most vulnerable on things like slants because he played, he likes to, he likes to be physical, but that means you can, he can be beat on initial moves. He catches up so effectively with his length and burst. But if you can get him on that first move, which is why he struggles sometimes against smaller, sudden receivers, he can be effective. So putting Devontae Adams opposite Richard Sherman will no longer be the sacrificial lamb that it was. 
But Green Bay is going to have to be versatile in how it attacks this defense because Earl Thomas is healthy again, Cam Chancellor is playing, and Richard Sherman is still Richard Sherman. And again, that front is really good. So McCarthy is going to have to weigh his options here. The other way that he could play this is rather than play with two tight ends, you can still line up Martellus next to Kyle Murphy, but you can also play empty. You could go and play your 11 personnel with three wide receivers and Bennett and line them all out wide and go quick passing game. And then you're mitigating what the edge rushers, edge rushers can do. This is a common tactic now in the NFL. There is so much focus on how good edge rushers are, and they are good. And a lot of focus on how bad the offensive linemen are, and most of them are bad. This is an issue that stems back to college, because in college they play a lot of spread, and you don't have to pass block for very long. And so the NFL has adopted this model and said, okay, we're going to use run-pass options like in college. The Packers do it. We're going to hold those linebackers with run fakes, and we're going to go quick passing game. And I think you're going to see that from the Packers, regardless of how often they play Martellus Bennett next to Kyle Murphy or Lance Kendricks. You're going to see them go quick passing game against Seattle. But they will have to take their shots just to loosen up Earl Thomas, to loosen up Cam Chancellor, to, to make Seattle understand that they will go deep. They're going to have to do that. Now, we're a long way from there. There is a lot to still be decided. There's a roster that still needs to be won in terms of battles in camp. And we're going to talk specifically about those things tomorrow. There's, there's something that I, I, want to, I want to give you a heads up on. And that is moving forward, there's going to be a structure to the week. Or at least I'm, I'm going to try to give it structure. On Tuesdays, I'm going to bring in smart Packers people, many of them smarter than me, to deep dive, to break down. Whether it's players, whether it's schemes, whether it's coaching, whether it, whatever it is. Maybe all of the above. But I want to bring you smart insight from around the internet, from around the media landscape. I want to have different voices on the show. On Wednesday, I'm going to try and bring on someone who knows the opponent really well. Whether it's a beat reporter, whether it's another Locked On podcast host, whether it is a blogger or whatever it is. Maybe it's just a, a media person who's a fan. I want to bring you insight into that team. We're going to deep dive in week one. It'll be Seattle. In week two, it'll be Atlanta. We're not going to do it in the preseason because, first of all, the Rams are bad, so who cares? But it's also a preseason game, so the starters are not going to play a ton. It's not worth previewing. And then on Thursday, we're going to do a preview show. So we will break down matchups, things to watch, things to look for. And that is going to be what the Thursday show looks like. Monday will be a recap, obviously. So the things that happen on Sunday, we're going to talk about on Monday. On Tuesday, we're going to have the Packers deep dive. Then we're going to have opponent Wednesday and preview Thursday. Once again, I am Peter Bukowski. This is Locked on Packers. You can follow me at Peter underscore Bukowski on Twitter. You can find my writing at SB Nation. You can find it at FanRag Sports. We will be back tomorrow on Wednesday. We will still have our D our Tuesday deep dive. It will just be on Wednesday this week. I know I just laid out this whole schedule, but it's the preseason. Things are wonky, so we had to push it a little bit. We will get that deep dive tomorrow with Jason Hershorn, who writes with me at Acme Packing Company. He also writes for Sports on Earth. He and I have done a podcast for a long time together. That is on hiatus just because of schedules. And uh, 
he is one of the smartest guys in the media, one of the most knowledgeable Packer sources around. I wanted him to be the first person to do this with me. Um, and so I'm looking forward to having him. I'm looking forward for you guys to hear from him because he's the kind of person that when he talks about football, you're going to learn something because I learned something. So that's tomorrow. And until then, you should absolutely stay locked on Packers. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.